Hey, West Virginia fans, it's Chris Anderson, publisher of Earsports.com. No, I'm not here to do another solo pod. Lord knows I heard the reviews about those. But I just wanted to take a moment before we got started today to talk about our best VIP deal of the year. It's Black Friday, and that means we're running a 75% off VIP deal for new customers. That works out to a little over $2 a month, roughly $26 a year, and that will get you through all of what is about to happen with WVU football, athletic director search, coaching staff's information, transfer portal, early signing day, and everything else for the next 12 months, an entire calendar year. That means multiple signing days, multiple transfer windows, all of basketball season, all of spring football, all of the summer recruiting camps and official visits, next year's preseason, almost all of next year's full football season, For $2 a month, it's the best deal of the year, and you get the most extensive coverage of Mountaineer Athletics with the largest largest message board for WVU fans. Sign up today at earsports.com before the deal expires. That's E-E-R sports.com. Now on to the podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. My name is Mike Casazza, welcoming you into the final, final preview episode of the 2022 football season. Final for the West Virginia Mountaineers, of course. Joining me to commemorate is Chris Anderson. Chris, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, sir. I hope you are enjoying yourself and getting your our last moments of relaxation before chaos sets in oh because the phil knight legacy event yes absolutely that's what we mean okay cool uh lots of late nights quick um quick aside here what's on the menu for thanks thanksgiving at your house because you have kids. Uh, they're picky yeah. big eaters uh, no, they're big eaters and it, you may not get a whole lot of vegetables but you're going to get a lot of mac and cheese uh, a little dabbling of turkey, a little dabbling of ham, uh, maybe a second and third helping of mac and cheese. Uh, they do not like mashed potatoes. Which that's not part of my family, so I don't know where those genes came from. Uh, and then they will be force-fed some sort of green bean uh, in, in some capacity. We have them standard, you know, blanched and and baked, and then we have casseroles, and they'll have to eat that before they get into the Pumpkin ice cream pie, which is always a big hit. My God, really? Yeah. That sounds good. Is that for you or the kids? That is for everybody. That is, is a delight for all. 
Yeah, I'm with the in-laws this year, which does not mean it's it's like dumbed down, but like the exotic nature of the Thanksgiving, which you can have a lot of fun with. It doesn't fly in some corners of my family, and this is one of them. So we're kind of going traditional here. But um, the big the big deal here, Chris, is uh, because of family obligations um, within my in-laws have to some of them have to run a little early. So we're eating very early this year, like probably serve at one. That oh, see, that's standard for us. Oh, okay, okay. We are, we are the Thanksgiving is actually just a late lunch. Okay, family. Um, they don't have time to boil and, and peel and mashed potatoes. They're going like Bob Evans pre-prepared mashed potatoes, and I think we're gonna do like that uh, coffee skit where you just like see if they notice. We've uh-huh. peeled and traditionally prepared mashed potatoes. These Bob Evans. See if anybody finds out. It could get ugly if they do though. Yep. Some traditions you can't mess with. Which leads me to West Virginia against Oklahoma State. Seven straight losses for the Mountaineers in the series. Chris, I used to always joke that Oklahoma State had a had a Mike Gundy game in them and a game that it would lose for no apparent reason, typically at home. They are one win away from back-to-back unbeaten seasons at home. Uh, 15 straight wins um, at that stadium, which is kind of unique. Very close confined to the stands narrow sidelines not a lot of space in the end zones either but suddenly they're they're good at home too the weird part here is that this was a team that was in the top 10 without a lot of debate early in the season and has just really fallen apart here at the end if there's a chance for a streak buster hey west virginia nothing to play for at the end of the season maybe that's not completely accurate but as we've seen before if there's a get right opponent on your schedule it may well be west virginia that's that's depressing to say out loud, but I think you're right. Um, I think as we're going to talk about some of this and and some of these matchups, we're going to find. I found that there. This is one of those games where the strengths for one team, or maybe the weaknesses for one team, can't be exploited by the other team because that's the other team's weakness too. Um, and in this case, you know the things that Oklahoma State can do well. West Virginia can't stop. And then the things that Oklahoma State struggles with, West Virginia can't take advantage of and vice versa. You know, there's just, there's some opportunity here for both teams to kind of have a nice day, if you will, um, in this season ending matchup, which brings just, I think, a lot of other variables, uh, not the least of which was that final comment from Neil Brown. I don't want to get too far off topic, but that final comment from him in his Tuesday press conference about him. What did he say? Not that I know of when he was asked if other players were transferring or sitting out the last game. Did that make um, it to camera or was that just completely candid? That was, that was, I think that got cut off camera. So, so what happened if, if you didn't catch this was uh, Bob Herzl, who's, who's found the strike zone and is, is hitting like mid nineties again, by the way. Yeah. So he asks Brown, hey, do you know of anybody who is not playing in this game? Indication being there's nothing to play for. Brown talked about how difficult of a week it is. Can't go home. There, there's no carrot at the end there. You got to kind of manufacture excitement, which probably is not this program's strength right now. And he just says, hey, do you know of anybody who's not playing? Because perhaps people are going to pack it up, go home, not play, just not go in, make this their bowl game and opt out of it. And he says, not that I know of. Pregnant pause. And press conference, Brown gets up, walks away, and goes, hey, Bob, isn't it funny that I had to say it that way? Not that I know of, because that's a little jab, Charles Woods, but also just the nature of 
student athletes and their decisions these days. Who knows? I mean, guys may play, but not really play. You might see <clears throat> business decisions mm-hmm. throughout this game. But also the obvious hangs over this program right now, which Doug Nestor, which Neil Brown, other people have talked about as just not really saying coaching change, but certainly the specter of a coaching state change looms right now. And you can't pretend that it isn't happening and, and they're not, but soldier on, see what you can do here. Um, that distraction is almost over. doesn't mean that they're going to make the change. I think people have their opinions strongly in, in one direction or the other, but at least you're going to have some sort of clarity before too long. And maybe a win just makes you feel better about what you were able to tie off at the end of this season. Mike, I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to go with this. Cause this is just, this is unprecedented territory and we're seeing it coming up again and again and again. Uh, I'm seeing actually just scrolled across my timeline of, of a story where they were interviewing anonymously coaches around the country saying they are expecting unprecedented, um, you know, entries into the transfer portal guys that have no business even going in there, but they're, everybody's going to go in there and sample it. You know, you, you and I talked about, Hey, it makes sense that, a lot of players from West Virginia might go in there and sample it. You know, you don't know who's going to be coached. You don't know your position coach, none of that stuff. Like there could be so many changes. It could be a completely different offense, completely different defense. They could bring in their own guys off the transfer portal. Who knows? But it's just going to be that way across the board, no matter what, because people are simply just going to enter the portal and say, hey, give me your best offer. What do you got? see if it's better than what they already have and then either take that offer and bring it back to the school they're currently at. I mean, this is, I, this is going to like the people who are say college football traditionalists, they might stroke out during this off season. And, and so, so take your blood pressure medicines and, and just maybe sit it out for a little bit uh, because this is going to get crazy. I, I compared it to, you know, so smart people do it, but the general public usually doesn't of the NFL rushing totals for the season for individual running backs. And I've done it before and I know other people have, it is all, it always hits. Like I can't remember it never hitting just betting, you know, one unit, whatever unit it is that you bet $1, $100, $1,000 on every single running back to go under their season total rushing yardage. And you will always make money. If they had this for the number of transfers you think your team is going to have, I would bet over on all 131 teams in college football, and I would make a million dollars. Nice. So I'm writing this down. Hold on one second. My get rich scheme board on my office wall here. Is yeah, I, I don't know which sports book. Hopefully it's our good sponsor, Caesars, uh, is going to put up you know over-unders for number of transfers school but if you find it somewhere one let me know yeah. two bet the over and to, again to tie a bow on this brown says that they're gonna have to prioritize the players that they think are leaving too like that that exists in their in their thinking and in their their postseason planning too that they're gonna have players who go into the portal they're gonna be on the nice list i guess and hey we're gonna try to keep you let us get back to you that's just the way we live in uh you mentioned quotes chris let me give you a quote here um He's a first-class guy. The conversations I've had with him at meetings and before games and wherever else, the minimal times I've run into him, he understands family, culture, taking care of the right people in the right way. Obviously, that's from a distance and just what I see from him. In our profession, it's difficult. 
There's a variety of things that can happen, but I have a lot of respect for him as a person. I hate that anybody has to go through what he could be going through. Subject, obviously, Neil Brown. Speaker, Mike Gundy. Mm -hmm. That's the gentleman he's taking on this weekend. And the last part, I hate that anybody has to go through what he could be going through. He's not talking about NIL and the transfer portal. He's talking about the obvious here. That's the backdrop as we go to Stillwater here. Let's begin Oklahoma State offense, West Virginia defense, and one of your favorite foils, Chris Spencer Sanders. The up and down nature of Spencer Sanders continues. I think we're, we're in year four of this, of where every time you start thinking he is an elite quarterback, he throws up an absolute stinker. Um, this year has been a little different because quite honestly, there haven't been as many ups. Now, lately he's been injured. Like that's unequivocally true. Uh, but, but he was, he was struggling even before the injuries. And, and I mean, I think, I think this Oklahoma game was part injury, part mental, because we've seen this with him before where he, he makes one turnover and one turnover quickly turns into three, one turnover quickly turns into maybe still one turnover, but 50% completion percentage, uh, something of that nature, just bad decisions. So you can really get in his head. And I think this year it's been more glaring, I think, than ever before. In part, just because of the stark difference in his ability or his performance against any team with a pulse. Um, this season, Spencer Sanders when playing against a group, when starting and playing against a group of five team or lower. So he played one group of five team uh, and one FCS team. Mm -hmm. He 72% completion percentage, 329 yards per game, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Spencer Sanders versus power five opponents. 55% completion percentage, 249 yards per game, nine touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like, I mean, it, what, what do we, we say when we're talking about Neil Brown and we're talking about any coach, you know, that, that you are what your record says you are. What Spencer says you are at this point, 10 games in the season, you are what your stats say you are. And right now it says that he is not a very good quarterback against any team that has a pulse. The question is, does West Virginia have a pulse? He threw 67 passes last week. And ran 17 times. I yeah. mean, what? What do they call that? Like the usage rate in basketball, like a Russell Westbrook type usage rate game, just absolutely dominating the ball at all times. That game got away from them very early. It was 28 nothing in the first quarter. Um, you saw Oklahoma's offense the week before, Chris. Um, we'll talk about Oklahoma State's defense, but that's a sneak preview. Um, just some notes on Sanders here. The getting good and the getting normal, I guess. First six weeks of the season, he had four turnover-worthy plays. He has 17 now. He had yeah. five last week. Um, big time throws hasn't had one since the Texas game in game seven for them. This is game 12. He threw away six passes last week. He was sacked five times. Um, and he had five turnover worthy plays, four more pickoffs. One was another one, but that's a number of passes there that are not productive for you too. And again, completion percentage 36 of 67 through for 381, one touchdown, four picks ran a lot, had to run a lot. And again, we saw Oklahoma State's defense, and it did a number on Oklahoma State's – excuse me. We saw Oklahoma's defense. It did a number on Oklahoma State's defense. Granted, part of that was getting up early, which is going to be an issue for West Virginia, especially for an 11 a.m. start. But there's a chance perhaps that West Virginia can be alive early. And if not, um, it comes back to normal a little bit. But it look, just looks like with the nature of Oklahoma State's running offense, 
specifically lack thereof and an injury. If you if you make them one dimensional, have to have them force it with Spencer Sanders down the field. That's not going to be a great recipe for them. So the question then being defensively, how do they get them stopped? Where do they aim? What do they look for just to get West Virginia's defense going and give the offense a chance to be good against kind of a, again, a a slipping defense for Oklahoma State too. So starting, I guess, long story short, Chris, how does West Virginia's defense throw up that brick wall? So our, our Texas site pokes a little fun at me because I did a, a video podcast preview with them way back when West Virginia was about to play Texas. And in that video pod, I kind of stepped back from my microphone and said, you know, put a big flashing neon light over West Virginia's secondary and those safeties and Texas is going to attack them. Ended up being correct. It's not like I was going out on a limb with that one, but I would like to do the same thing. A little clip of that of me making the big neon light sign and pointing at their left side of their offensive line and specifically their starting left guard, Taylor Materko, Materko. Um, He got absolutely brutalized in this Oklahoma game last week, allowing 11 pressures in a game, which, you know, you might think, hey, it's just one bad day. But that puts him up to 40 for the season, which is 10 more than any other interior lineman in the entire Big 12 conference. And he now has more than any interior offensive lineman in the entire Power Five. He, uh, I don't want to go so far as to say he is a revolving door, but it is very hard. It is very rare for an interior offensive lineman to have that many pressures allowed in a season. And, you know, is that where West Virginia gets the most of their pressure right up the middle? Not really. That's not Jordan Jefferson's, uh, you know, forte. That's not Mike Lockhart's forte, but they can. They can get pushed. But you also see Dante Stills line up in that kind of like three technique look, uh, not all the way out on the edge. It might be lining up across him. So look for West Virginia to try to get, like really get some pressure points in, in between maybe that left guard and left tackle spot because Materko is, is he's got that neon flashing light over top of him. Number two on the offensive line, on the offense and snaps played too. So yeah, there. big numbers game too. Yeah. He's been out there. He'll be out there, too. Their rushing offense, 100 in the country, 127.3 yards per game. Chris, they've had one game where a player had 100 yards rushing. Wow. So that's not their strength. Um, Not potent, not efficient. It just all the metrics there doesn't lack, which is crazy because they've had really across several years now some of the best running backs and running performances in the Big 12. Um when, when Sanders can't do play action and can't take the eyes off the receivers into the backfield a little bit, give him an advantage. He's, he's just not as good there too. So that's been a problem on top of that 16 interceptions this year for the offense. Some of that's quarterback play, some Sanders, some not, they've had to use some different guys, just not very great on offense there too. Why is the offense not potent at all? Um, their, their yards per play, their explosives are average and worse. We're not used to that. Um, they know they have problems offensively. Some of it is quarterback, but again, that's a veteran quarterback, you would think that replacements could mimic. They're not, especially when it's a bad level of play. They haven't been able to mimic it. That hasn't been very good. That's why they've lost some games too. But just they don't have the game breakers at receiver either, it seems. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No, I was going to say, you always felt like whatever up and down you had from Sanders, you could rely on a running back for them to, to turn out 150 yards. I mean, I, I remember, you know, they have like an all-American running back who was just out. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, this other guy, he's also great and ran for 200 yards. Um, oh, here, that guy's out. Uh, here's another one. He's running for 150. No problem. Um, and they always had a wide receiver who could with like an errant Sanders throw, leap up, grab it, bring it in. And all of a sudden it's a 15 yard gain instead of just a ball sailing into the sidelines. And it doesn't feel like they have that receiver. And it certainly doesn't feel like they have that running back right now. Mm-hmm. Dominic Richardson is their running back, 543 yards, 3.64 yards per carry. But again, a lot of his damage is done in the second game of the season, 131 yards um, against Arizona State. Had a great line against Texas, 13 carries, 24 yards, three touchdowns. Um, He's missed two of the last four games, did not play Saturday. If he doesn't play, and if Sanders is out there probably trying to preserve himself, you're looking at two true freshmen to run the ball and then combine this season. They have 74 carries for fewer than 300 yards. Um, one touchdown, about three yards of carry there. Not very potent. And again, not great offensive line play. Problem is they don't have those killer receivers anymore either. They, they were really hopeful that a guy like Brandon Presley could do well. John Paul Richardson ended last season kind of an explosive player. Hasn't really happened. They've always had a guy who was big and could get position and just work on you. And last year in particular, uh, Tay Martin was a guy, 10 touchdown passes, 80 catches. They still don't have anybody quite like that this season. That's hurt the quarterback play too. And again, surprising to me because that's been something they've been good at, plug and play kind of a thing where system players develop and go, but just some issues here. Uh, another Gundy quote, if you don't mind. Go for it. Talking about his offense here. And again, at the end of the season, we're 12 games into this just about now. And he's been known for offense forever. His offense is basically what Dana Holgerson's offense was when he brought Holgerson in in the 2010 season and just hasn't really changed it there. Talking about the offense and what he can do. Uh, I got a lot of notes in my office and there's maybe a couple things that maybe we need to do differently than what we've done over the last 15 years schematically, but not a lot. As most offenses, as we know, are going to live and die with their quarterback. They're going to live and die with a game breaker, wide out and running back. He's talking about what he can change in the offense the last 15 years, that offense hasn't changed really, right? Um, they just don't have the game player, the game breakers, the big play players that they used to. That's the change, I think. I don't know why they would change it. For him to talk about changing things schematically, maybe people have caught up to it. Again, 15 years, not, not quite that long, but 15 years with the same thing in place. If you don't have the guys who can differentiate what you do, um, you're kind of stale. And that's really what it's been this year from the backfield to receivers who's handing it off, who's throwing it, who's getting it handed off to them and who's getting it thrown to them. 
just not the, quite the same as it has been before. Any other notes for you on offense for Oklahoma State, Chris? Not on that side, no. No tight ends really have a threat this year, too. West Virginia <laughs> has slowly been beaten by tight ends this week of the season, including last week. Kansas State just found some things where, as teams have done, you motion guys over to one side, you overload one side. If you're going to play a zone like West Virginia, you flood that zone and you make them chase and make decisions, and all of a sudden that tight end gets wide open. That's been deadly for a while. I would not discount the tight ends doing something for Oklahoma State. That's been a weapon for their for, of theirs for years, so why not do it against West Virginia? Flip the ball. Uh, not a lot better news for Oklahoma State. Injuries have really added up here, especially up front. But yet, Chris, they have one of the more destructive, disruptive defensive lines going. Yeah, their issue hasn't been defensive line. I mean, I think it for I don't know, maybe maybe it's a repressed memory, but for those, the last memory of Oklahoma State was that defensive line just absolutely dominating West Virginia last season to the point that uh, I can't even remember how few yards West Virginia had, but it was one of the worst offensive performance statistically and, you know, just with your own eyes, seeing it in decades. I mean, it was it was a master class from Oklahoma State, in an atrocity from West Virginia, but it's probably not it's not because the defensive line is bad it, it, you look at their their stats and what they're doing you look at their pff grades and where they play and it's just you know i'm looking at their pff defensive grades right now their top players defensive linemen defensive linemen defensive linemen defensive linemen those are top four hmm. um they they have talent up there it's just now like you said at this point who's gonna be healthy to play on that defensive front going to football outsiders for some help on this one here talking about just some some metrics that are kind of important what they call opportunity rate which is runs you surrender four or more yards a power rate third and fourth down with two or fewer yards to go um, oklahoma state opportunity rate 19 in the country so 42 percent of the carries fewer than four yards pretty good and mm -hmm. then when it's short yardage number one in the country chris two 36.4 so a third or fourth down where you need one or two yards they're winning 65 percent of the time almost that's problematic for west virginia and then number five in the country as well in stuff rate which i did not explain but you can imagine what that means when the running back is stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage number five in the country West Virginia famously can't get a ball across the marker in a QB sneak last week, but has been okay in short yarded stuff. We'll see how much Jalen Anderson gets this week. Chris, were you surprised by the Jalen Anderson monologue submitted by Graham Harrell on Tuesday? I was not. I mean, he has always been, I think, and, and we've reported on this before. I mean, I think, you know, initially his, Anderson's, you know, delay in enrollment was something, you know, you broke the news on it and we followed up on it multiple times of, you know, it was in the classroom. And I've heard that reasons that he wasn't seeing the field were not related to like, you know, performance during, you know, 11 on 11 or in scrimmages or even game, like game prep. It was just actually getting ready, just not going through practice, not showing up to uh, weightlifting stuff and just trying to stay do all the things that come with 
being a football player, you know, not, not pulling an Allen Iverson, if you will, you know, we're talking about practice here. Um, so the talent has always been there. And I think the more opportunities he gets, the more he's going to be able to show that he is, he is an elite player an elite running back for West Virginia. Story up on the website on Wednesday about Anderson's season. But again, I really had to truncate Graham Harrell's praise. It was lengthy for a guy who, who can go on and on about some stuff when he gets into a, a passion topic, he'll go. That was just more of like a, a, let's see what we have here question. I think I asked it actually. That's how I know it was a, let's see what we have here question. Now that I think of it, but I was just curious what he thought of him. And then just the soft hands, how he could become uh, an elusive runner who pulls away from you, but also gets behind his pads and goes downhill. Interesting to me, Neil Brown said the Tony Mathis is being affected by a lingering issue, short yardage, inside runs, not necessarily Justin Johnson's strength, and that they just said Anderson has earned the opportunity to run. Uh, their metrics for running, 58th in opportunity rate, so about half their yards, about half their runs go for four or more yards. That's not bad. Power, so again, third and fourth, need two or fewer. They're 66 in the country. Stuff rate, number 63. So again, average numbers, mediocre performance. That's not a surprise for West Virginia across the board this season here but right into the teeth of what Oklahoma State's defense does very well. And again, they don't have Trace Ford. Doesn't look like he'll play. That's a pretty productive player across time. Tyler Lacey, again, pretty productive player across time. They do have some problem causers up front, though, um, guys who have given West Virginia issues before. Match this up, Chris. The offensive line has played pretty well. Wyatt Milam, a lot of praise for his performance against Kansas State's outside pass rush last week. Doug Nestor has played well. Zach Frazier, very steady. Left guard, right tackle. I don't want to mention their names because no one's really mentioned their names lately, which is perfectly fine. You don't mind anonymity on your offensive <laughs> line. So they have to play well, obviously, here against maybe the strength of this West Virginia opponent. Where are we looking for matchups here? Who versus who up front? Well, I want to say, because see, my focus is almost on the, I, it's not up front, but this front seven, maybe, but that second line, because okay. you got to clear that space in the middle. It, it it is it, it like you want to talk about where's the blame when something goes wrong or or who gets the credit when something goes right and the answer is especially when you talk to coaches ah oh, it's it's everything I mean you saw it with Neil Brown when when somebody asked hey you've had success or at least somewhat success with each of your four running backs this season it, you know who's the credit for it you know you know Chad Scott running backs coach offensive line some block run the tight ends and each of the running backs individually. You look at Oklahoma State's defense, and you just rattled off some amazing stats for that, that front four. Mm -hmm. Just amazing running stats for that front four. And then you wonder, wait, so why is it that Oklahoma State ranks you know 120th in, in rush defense or rush yards allowed per game? Why have they allowed almost seven yards per run or over six yards per run in five of their last six games why are teams running for 200 some yards and two touchdowns in five of their last six games it's not the defensive line it's the second level it's those linebackers it's the other guys in the box so i think if you if, if west virginia can find some way to you you know you're gonna have five offensive linemen four defensive linemen to to just Body them up. You, you don't even have to like pancake them. Just keep them occupied long enough to let West Virginia's running backs just get to that second level or force the second level to come up. 
that's when I think West Virginia is going to be successful because Oklahoma State's linebackers are terrible. And I can talk about that more in a second if you want to go back to the defensive line. But that was that's what West Virginia just has to occupy the defensive line to get West the running backs to the linebackers. Yeah, they were not a problem defensively against the run early on. They started to bend in the middle of the season. Uh, TCU, again, great running team. That's a 43-40 game, but they TCU got points because they ran for 224 yards, five yards a pop. 41-34, a win over Texas. So, again, a lot of points for Texas. They ran for 204 yards, 6.4 yards a carry. Then it begins to break. Kansas State, 5.4 yards a carry, 199 yards. And Kansas State used the golf cart offense in the second half of that game. Just came out, got 10 points, and got out of there. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, Kansas, 351 yards, Chris. Now, granted, differentiate that because Kansas' offense is so weird. Then you get the Iowa State get-right game, 59 yards rushing. Oklahoma last week, curious to me, got off to a great start, three touchdown passes in the first quarter. They kind of controlled the game a little bit by being able to run the ball. 175 yards, 5.2 yards of carry. Um, to your point, though, yeah. They're, they're, again, average to below average overall. They've taken some heavy damage lately. They missed a lot of tackles in that second level. Um, probably one player in particular you're going to get to here. But if you can block it up up front, and if Brian Palendi and Traylon Davis are, in fact, good blockers, they're going to get their hands on guys at the second level here or get their hands on guys to get them to the second level. And then you kind of like your chances of Justin Johnson, Jalen Anderson, perhaps Tony Mathis, one-on-one or, or running away from or running at a linebacker or, or even a safety. Yeah, Mason Cobb, 26 missed tackles, first in the Big 12, like the most in the Big 12, the most in all of Power 5, second in all of FBS, which is 131 teams. He has the second most missed tackles of every single defensive player in all of FBS football. Um, That's not great. So you could see why uh oklahoma state currently ranks like 119th out of 131 teams in tackling grade he's a big reason why uh 124th on teams that are allowing big plays from the line of scrimmage and i think it was like 110th in 10 plus yard runs this season like teams are getting chunk yards there you know you talked about like the stuff rate and stuff it is like zero if you don't block the defensive line but if you get the defensive line blocked it's 10 and some of that's on cobb some of that's on Kendall Daniels, who is a safety, but plays a good chunk of his uh, plays up in the box, almost like a linebacker. He's second in the Big 12 in missed tackles. Um, and, and part of that is just the defense they run. They run a four-two-ish five kind of looking thing. And so once you get past that front four, there's just fewer guys there that you have to get by to try to get a big chunk of yards before you get to the back end of the defense. So, again, if West Virginia can get some blocking – on the defensive line, I like the matchups of Justin Johnson and Jalen Anderson and, and maybe even Tony Mathis against a Mason Cobb, against the Kendall Daniels. He's probably playing too much, Mason Cobb. Mike Gundy's even said that. He's got to make 70-plus plays a game, more than 70 snaps sometimes, too. There's fatigue factor involved. He's trying to lean. He's trying to learn different things as he goes. Here's where it gets interesting with Cobb and why he'll be targeted. He's working hard on wrapping up. He strikes with force but he's not conquered wrapping up and getting guys down. In Utah in high school, he knocked those guys three yards back and they fell to the ground. Doesn't work that way at this level. Uh, six foot, 230, um, he's probably neither, just the way that these college measurements go. But that's a guy you're going to probably keep your eye on because he will be involved because he has to be, but he will be involved because West Virginia should probably make him too. Uh, pass play here, Chris. Uh, Garrett Green, 
starting, not a surprise, I guess, but a surprise perhaps that it's announced. And he'll be throwing at a lot of man coverage here. They do pressure. They do go man. Um, Oklahoma State got after Dylan Gabriel last week. I kind of comp Dylan Gabriel to Garrett Green. Size, ability similar. One's better at passing. One's better at running. One has much more experience. But they they made things difficult on Gabriel, especially when the game got tighter last week. Granted, it started 28-0. It ends 28-13. But um, made things more difficult as it went along. He was not great under pressure. He was not great when he's blitzed. But neither was Green against Kansas State. I would expect pressure. And I would expect a lot of man-to-man here and chances for jailbreaks or chances for, uh-oh, moments from green too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Hey, I, I, don't, I don't hate that comp there either, by the way, green and Gabriel. Uh, you're right, you know, more experience and, and a little couple tweaks there. But um, it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And you saw it was so blatantly obvious what he struggled with and what he doesn't struggle with. And, and when he has to... When he has to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions, if if his first throw isn't there in the pocket, it gets bad quickly. And sometimes it gets bad, but then turns back good. And by that, I mean, you know, he doesn't get his first read and he just panics and starts running, which is not what you're taught. But sometimes that's okay when you are a running quarterback. And sometimes... Sometimes it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating for the coaches. They've talked about it before where that second read is open, but he never gets to the second read because he is running already. And yeah, you're like, hey, I didn't get sacked. I got a two-yard gain. And it's like, yeah, but you could have had a 30-yard gain or a touchdown if you looked at your second read, which you just never got to. Um, that's going to be another thing with him this week. Like, it's just, it might be a thing with him for the rest of his career. But it's going to be something this week with how Oklahoma State gets pressure on the quarterback. Like you said, Gabriel started to tighten up a little bit. He he they had two good, um, two good drives there. I think in the first quarter, maybe th- a third one. But after that, that was about it. Like you know, the fourth touchdown was four yards, five yards. Like a, the interception was returned inside the five yard line, so it wasn't exactly another drive. And then that was it for the rest of the game. They did not score for the entirety of the rest of the game. Um, so Green is going to have some pressure on him. The West Virginia is going to have to get creative and find ways to roll him out because he's not all of a sudden going to figure out how to go through his progressions, get to his second and third and fourth read and make the pass that they want him to make. So it's up to the coaches to adjust their game plan and try to make it work. Once more, we're feeling, Chris, we will talk 3.30 Saturday afternoon about this game, about the conclusion to the regular season for West Virginia, conclusion to who knows what else, but just focus on the game here. Who, what are we discussing that contributes to the outcome of this game? Is it cheating to say Garrett Green? We might have different answers. I think we have the same idea, though, so go ahead. I think it's Garrett Green. I think it's going to be the mistakes he does or does not make, and that's what we're going to be talking about because, as you noted, you know, Oklahoma State is going to get pressure, and I want to see how he responds to that pressure. Is he going to be able to respond by not turning the ball over? Is he going to be able to respond by getting those four-yard gains or looking at his second and third read and getting chunk plays? Or is he going to respond by kind of panicking, throwing the ball away, getting sacked, throwing an interception? Um, We saw that early in the most recent game against Kansas State. Uh, Curious if he makes some adjustments heading into this week. Again, you can't change the entire offense, can't change an entire player but you can make some tweaks week to week, and I want to see what he changes. Once again, Chris, you've stolen my answer. Once again, you've gotten the answer right. 
he did not really run the the Garrett Green offense last week. He kind of ran the West Virginia offense, which is fine. That's what you're, you're there to do to be the quarterback at West Virginia. But if they had packages of plays for him before with um you know RPO stuff or zone read stuff, why couldn't that be part of the game plan? Maybe it is this week, and, and maybe you know some of the ingenuity that came with him being a receiver or a guy who could line up in the backfield, maybe just for fun or just for effective purposes, they get him into some of that stuff. Again, kind of some kitchen sink stuff here. Make this fun, make this different, give him a chance. But I think all the talk about the things he did well but could have done better, the great plays he made that were actually to be discouraged in coaching, does that get him thinking too much? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll see. Does he not shoot the moon and checks down a bunch? No, that'd be curious. And how he responds to the coaching and, you know, really start one to start two for him will be very interesting. I'm going to pick Chris something a little bit different, though. Um, There'd be like moments in this game where a lot of things are defined. And if West Virginia can't get to a bowl game, it can end a lengthy winning streak for the home team. It can end a lengthy losing streak for the visitors in the series. And they're just going to have to win those moments and prove it. And that's going to be hard. We mentioned at the beginning of the week, and, and certainly Neil Brown talked about it Tuesday. This is a hard week for myriad reasons. And I think you put it well. If this is the end for Brown and he wins this game, Kudos to him, and it, it does kind of indicate that, you know, he's not a lost cause as a coach, and he did good things, and he did have a lot going in in positive directions. It just didn't progress as much as people wanted it to. But for him to be able to win at the end of the season, that at the very least is not going anywhere overall, and perhaps it's not going where he wants it to be in the in the ultimate outcome. It would be a good thing for him if he actually he put the cherry on top of this the way he wants to, and the way his players may want to send him out. But there are going to be instances where they're going to have to really earn it and prove that they want to do it and they can do it. You know, is it is a fourth down stuff? Is it getting turnovers or stops on defense? Is it ripping balls away from defensive backs on 50-50 plays? It may not be a singular thing. It might be. It might be just a decision that we can't help but talk about better or worse at the end. And it might just be like the the culmination of a season of not being able to do stuff and it finally breaks through or it finally collapses. I don't know. But I just think that in the end, our, our postmortem, if you will, we're going to look at this and say, this happened, this didn't happen. These things happened, these things didn't happen. And the difference is going to be whether or not the players and the coaches can or want to make them happen. And, and long story short, players make plays and and it comes down to not having enough during the season. Can they conjure it up one more time? And if not, is it just the 12th game of the season? We'll see. Catch you after this game, Saturday afternoon, Stillwater, Texas. Uh, Chris, it could be windy there. Stillwater, Texas? Stillwater, Oklahoma. But Chris, it can be windy there. It uh, can. Weather looks terrible too. Yeah. Not great. Um, but hey, hopefully everybody is rested and awake for that one. Noon kickoff. Uh ESPN two, correct? Correct. Yeah. Can't wait. Until then, I'm Mike Asazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.